Well, today is Gaudete Sunday, better known as the day they light the pink candle. Why pink? It indicates that we're more than halfway through Advent. After two weeks of the church saying, wait patiently, we say, okay, now get excited. Every year we hear readings today about joy and rejoicing perhaps more in this third year of the liturgical cycle than the others. But perhaps in your life, you're not feeling so joyful right now. The news of the past month has been quite bleak, and maybe there's personal things in your life as well. Can we take consolation from the context of today's readings? Zephaniah. Our first reading was written when the people of Judah were worshiping Assyrian idols. Paul wrote this amazingly hopeful passage, one of my absolute favorites in the Bible, while he was in jail. And John the Baptist's encouraging words come after his condemning the crowd as a brood of vipers and declaring even now the axe lies at the root of the trees. We are now in the darkest weeks of the year. Let's look on our Advent wreath and remember Pope Francis' declaration that joy endures even in the greatest difficulties. A flicker of light born of our personal certainty that when everything is said and done, we are infinitely loved. I'm starting to think that we need to create a glossary for the words that we use in the Advent season. The most beautiful display of the word believe in big cursive letters with lights is found on the side of Macy's department store in Herald Square. Faith is the name of an album of secular Christmas songs. And yesterday I saw a commercial. I hardly ever see TV, but I saw a little bit. A commercial for gifts that matter from Dick's Sporting Goods. Today, we talk about joy. Zephaniah and Paul command us to rejoice. Well, what does that mean? Well, the Hebrew and Greek words for joy can be found more than 150 times in the Bible. And if we add in the adjectives joyful and joyous and the verb rejoice, we're up to more than 400 mentions in the Bible. Joy is used to describe marriage the birth of children, military victories, and successful harvests. We find the word a lot describing the exodus through the Red Sea and the end of the Babylonian exile. Now, most of us realize that joy indicates something deeper, something richer, something more profound than mere happiness. But what exactly is it? Well, our great... uh, Scripture scholar upstairs with the young gentleman, Dr. Ruth Queen Smith, says that in biblical times, the understanding of joy was tied to the idea of connection, often connection to other people, but always a connection between the believer and God. Which brings us back to Pope Francis' first major apostolic exhortation called the joy of the gospel. Now, It's 248 paragraphs. It's a long document. There's a group that's been studying it for two years here, but 
If you just read the first eight paragraphs like I have a few times, you get the whole idea. I've just skimmed the rest. This is near the beginning. Pope Francis writes, I realize, of course, that joy is not expressed the same way at all times in life, especially at moments of great difficulty. Joy adapts and changes, but it always endures, even as a flicker of light, born of our personal certainty that when everything is said and done, we are infinitely loved. That makes sense. Look at the images that we use around Christmas to express joy. They also show connection. Lowly Jewish shepherds worshipping next to wealthy Persian astrologers. The universality of our faith. The Madonna and child, and every once in a while we'll let Joseph into the circle, indicates that God is born among us. God walked among us. God became one of us. Even secular Christmas stories are about the joy of connection. Ebenezer Scrooge refuses to connect with people throughout his adult life until he finds joy in connecting with his estranged nephew, his employee's family, business clients, and even strangers on the street. If joy comes from our connection to God and to other people, what are the obstacles preventing us from experiencing joy? Now granted, sometimes we have circumstances in our life that seem to disconnect us from everyone and everything. When we're far away from family and friends. When we're experiencing imbalances in our body chemistry. When other people cut us off from relationships. But even in these cases, are there ways to rekindle that flicker of hope that we are infinitely loved by God? I've thought of three possible obstacles. This is not rocket science. The first one is loneliness, which maybe by its very definition, loneliness is not being connected. But do we make choices ourselves that prevent us from connecting? Choices that we can pray about and re-examine and possibly change the way we relate to people. A related obstacle would be the fear of being vulnerable. We can't get to know other people or have them get to know us unless we are willing to share who we are. Now let me be clear, yes, it is possible to overshare with people. (laughs) But you can't overshare with God. I have never heard of anybody telling me that God told them to shut up, (laughs) that he didn't want to know. So pray about all that stuff. But with other people, if we want to connect with them, we have to let them know somehow that we want to connect with them. If you don't do anything, they might think you don't want to connect. You have to take a first step. And for those of you in the back row, I'm thinking of one person in particular who graduated on Friday. Welcome to the adult world. Much harder to make friends now. You can't just walk into somebody's bedroom and sit down on their bed to declare you want to be friends with them. (laughs) It will get you arrested. It was cool for the last four years. (laughs) A third obstacle. Anger. Anger with God. When God doesn't give us total control over everything in our lives. You know, they didn't laugh last night that either. I thought it was hilarious, but I guess you don't have that problem. 
you never get angry with God when he doesn't give you total control in your lives. Well, for me, in religious life, I continue to have great opportunities to surrender control. I've drawn down my savings. I've placed my vocation at the service of the Paulist mission. I keep trying to reduce the quantity of possessions I have. I have the opportunity, and I've grown to be comfortable walking into hospital rooms when I don't know anything about the person there, or allowing people to make appointments with me, and I don't know when they're walking in what it's going to be about. And amazingly, each and every time I relinquish control, my joy increases. I feel more connected to other people and to God. So, no matter how lonely, how brittle, or how out of control we feel, can we make these remaining days of Advent a time of joy? Can we kindle the flame in our hearts that we are infinitely loved? And if we can't bring ourselves to rejoice always and have no anxiety at all, can we at least try to rejoice more frequently and have fewer anxieties? Then perhaps the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will more often guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.